From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. Talking about issues of cities, many of us live in cities, which is a good thing. Uh, and particularly if you're listening to the station, you're probably living in a city somewhere. And our cities have undergone immense challenges and changes in the last while, in the last 18 months. Coronavirus having affected all sorts of things. And of course, if you being in South Africa, um, the riots in the last month would have affected our cities as well. So we're going to be talking about inner city rejuvenation and city rejuvenation today with our regular cultural correspondent. He is a journalist and uh, a writer, and uh, he is Alistair Anderson joining us on the show today. Hi, Al. How are you doing? Hi. How are you, Benji? Happy Monday morning. <laughs> Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for joining us. So tell us, Al, what are we thinking about when it comes to city rejuvenation, and, and what are some of the projects that are being put in place to, to work on this particular issue? Well, yeah, so if you look at um, Johannesburg, Cape Town, uh, the inner cities there, I suppose, in the 90s, um, they were largely forgotten by a lot of the kind of privileged classes. And, you know, they went into lulls. And then for a number of years, people have been trying to get them right and get people to live, you know, back in the inner city again and not just um, in gated estates and in business nodes. And obviously what's happened now is we've had coronavirus, which was, you know, an, an unexpected event for the cities. Yet, I uh, found that, especially the inner city of Joburg, was not really affected that heavily um, by the virus and that people are already going back into the offices there. Whereas if you go to Sandton, you'll find that nobody's in any Sandton offices right now and there's, there's a bit of a lack of clarity as to when people go back to the office. So it, it, it's proving resilient, the inner city, but it, it needs um, investment once again. Now, when I used to work in the inner city, I spent my first years just out of university and in university working, working in the inner city. And at the time, there was an enormous movement towards taking out the old offices that used to be in the inner city, you know, the banks and the insurances and the stock exchange, and turning that into sort of not quite low income housing, but middle income housing or affordable housing. Is that still a trend we're seeing? And are there still things like jobs that are available for people in the inner city to to make it an attractive place to live? So, so I think what's happening is people have realized that a functional city in any country kind of emanates from a center where people uh, can work, where they live quite close to where they work and so on. So developers are understanding that in our inner city and they are finally, I think, getting the mix of residential rights. So there's places like diversity that's a company that's, developed a whole bunch of apartments in town. Um, I was actually with OPH, that's Solidity Property Holdings, on the on Friday, and they also they, they do offices, but they explaining that you know the offices and the resi are now working together, and people do want to work in the inner city because they can live nearby. It's, um, you know, people don't want to live in Soweto and then trek out every day to work, um, say somewhere like Sanson. But with the inner city, it's becoming more functional than possible. So, yeah. It, now, one it, of the, there has also been a lot of inter innovation that's been going on in, in sort of inner city nodes. 
but it does take a little bit of creativity and a little bit of thinking from some of the owners in the areas. I'm thinking, for example, of Victoria Yards here. Uh, you know, the, it's sort of connected in some ways to the fact that it's nearby Nando's headquarters, and so the guys there didn't want to move Nando's headquarters out of Lawrenceville, and so they created Victoria Yards as a sort of urban innovation hub. Uh, same thing happening at Constitution Hill. But it does take a little bit of thinking outside of the narrow band that that perhaps our developers, when it comes to city planning, have been thinking. It does. It, it does. And we we still have this mentality that, and I suppose it's because it's the reality is that Joburg is a, it's a sprawl. Um, so, you know, everything is spread out and... Uh, the, the idea is that you spend like a third of your money on um, a lot of people who live out there traveling. So that's what we're trying to you know, kind of correct. Like you shouldn't spend more than 15 minutes commuting, you know, ideally. I realize in places like the UK, they have, um, you know, the tube and, and there's a lot of public transport and people maybe sit on the commute for two hours even. But it, that's not really conducive here and that's what we, we're trying to rectify. So it's not a perfect system, but I think people are starting to understand that Everything has to be integrated and, and that people, you know, they, they can't take forever to get from one place to the other. Um, and what do you think is going to happen to Santon? Uh, because yeah. the, you know, we're talking about the inner city and as you said, it is kind of resilient because there are people living there. But if I was a landlord in Santon, I don't think I'd be so happy right about now, uh, given that people, you know, the, the kind of jobs, I guess, that you do in a place like Santon are more the sorts of jobs that are easier to work from home in some respects. So, are we going to see the sort of flashier office blocks in a place like Santon coming under pressure? Well, they are under pressure, there's no doubt. So depending on who you ask, they'll give you a number of how vacant Santon is. I reckon it's close to 40% vacant at the moment. Um, you know, you do get subletting and the like. But, yeah, there, there are a number of smaller businesses perhaps and kind of specialized businesses, professional services. You don't really need to work out of an office, and that's the problem. They don't want to now renew leases or... They want short leases, or they're kind of demanding more from their landlords. Um, you know, I was, I was in a discussion with Professor Francois Brudy from UCT recently, and he's saying that landlords need to start kind of making their offices into hotels in terms of how much, you know, they're giving to their tenants. I think that's a bit extreme, but yeah. So a place like Sanson, it has to adapt. We're finding a lot of the um, offices that are empty will be converted into something else. You know, whether it's a work from home space or it's a workspace or not, you know, or it's some kind of residential. And also what's happening is, um, Santon's no longer going to be a migrant town. If you think about it, you go there on the weekend, it's empty, you know, before Corona. People would work and they commute in and out. You know, they, we drive everywhere to driving city, but that's changing. So young people are going to want to live there because there is good infrastructure in Santon. Things do work and you, you can kind of get around and we do have things like car train, which incredibly you know beneficial and assumedly they will um, add routes to the car train quite soon and things will go through Sanson. remember the air, you know the airport goes directly there and that means that a lot of people who maybe have come out of Africa or somewhere haven't been to South Africa before they end up in Sanson very quickly it's an interesting point you're making about the way that Sanson's going because as you say it very much was and is a commercial hub uh, particularly before the coronavirus but stuff is also starting to get turned into residential changes. So, for example, I'm thinking here about in Sunning Hill. I know that there's a few uh, Africrest and whatever turned 
uh, a big corporate that that had an office is now a, a residential area. So, so you you actually are seeing that shift in 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 Santon as well. And interesting to see if it can be successfully maintained as a place that is a a mixed development as opposed to an exclusively commercial one. And Alistair, I wanted to ask you about where property is at the moment. Rates, interest rates are at a historical low, although I don't know if that's going to stick around for a while. And obviously, we're having this work from home phenomenon. We have coronavirus. How are all of these factors affecting people who are trying to let or maybe even people who are trying to buy uh, new new properties at a residential level? Yeah, so as you say, interest rates are at their lowest in about 50 years Uh so really in memory, and it's encouraging people to get into the market. Uh, the fastest growing um, demographic of buyer of homes in South Africa is single black females, actually. So professional black women are getting onto the property ladder, often in their mid-30s. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's quite staggering how, how um, house sales actually are doing well. It's very much a buyer's market now because interest rates are low, so people have choice. And people are managing to sell their homes pretty quickly. The, the, the best sellers are homes that are kind of priced between about a million and two million or three million. So after that, that um, people are having it quite difficult to let go of, you know, luxury homes. There seems to have been a lot of you know, the brain drain. There's been capital flight. Uh, people don't necessarily want to put so much money into a home in South Africa. They're a bit nervous. Yeah. So you'll find those homes are struggling, but people are middle class, entry level people, Getting into the market, it's very healthy. Renting is actually proving more difficult because people are now realizing they can actually buy. Well, I mean, if you are looking at that price range, as you were saying, then almost the costs of renting are pretty similar to the cost of buying. So I imagine people are looking at that and saying, well, why must I waste my cash uh, when I could actually be getting some sort of an asset for it? Yeah, that, that's that's the point. It's uh, You've got choice now. And as you say, if you buy a home, you then sit with that asset in the ground. Of course, you need to maintain it. And that's what... Some, uh, you know, first-time buyers don't realize all the costs that come with owning a home, and there are many, whereas if you rent, that goes down to your landlord. But, yeah, people people are interested in getting into the market, and it's definitely happening right now. As I say, rent, rentals, especially in Cape Town, where it seems like the property bubbles burst, um, rentals are actually going down. So you can get steals now. You know, that place that might have cost you 14000 rand a month in Seapoint is going for seven. It's that staggering. Because of COVID-19 and, you know, problems with tourism and weaknesses in the economy, we're not getting the tourists in, so they're not renting those luxury homes again. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, I think given that uh, work from home is becoming such a big issue and something that one can do, I, I, that, this is another issue which I think is a fascinating discussion, Alistair, is the semigration but work still in Johannesburg type phenomenon where people are moving down to Cape Town, but their jobs are still in Joburg. But because they've, uh, you can work remotely, it actually doesn't matter where you're living. So people, people are going down to Cape Town, but kind of working in Joburg. It's a very interesting phenomenon at the moment. That, that's also been quite a big one. The, uh, the Natal coast. So all parts of KZN, the Midlands, people are also going there. They're finding they can get more home for their money. Um, they can maybe get away from the hustle and bustle of a city like Joburg. Or as you say, they can you know, maybe go to Cape Town and work from home. Of course, we had you know, the very unfortunate civil unrest in KZN, uh, which a lot of those people were caught up in the, you know, in the mix of. But it's very much a thing that South Africans are realizing they don't only have to live in Johannesburg or Cape Town. 
you know, in the city bowl and then live near work. They can actually live all over what's a really, you know, underrated country in terms of all the different places that we offer that people don't even know are there. Absolutely. I think that that is remarkable. In terms of tourism, so what are we looking at for the end of the year? Western Cape is saying that tourism might come up. Uh, people, I think, are desperate for a holiday. Do you think we're going to be seeing a lot of road tripping, a lot of internal tourism in, in the next, in, in the sort of December period? Or, or are we going to be hit with another wave and people maybe just will stay home for this December? Well, I, I think um, people's patience is running thin. I realize, you know, we, we're still very much in the throes of the pandemic. Uh, vaccination rates have improved since the youngins have got to get vaccinated, but it's still, you know, far off the targets we need. And I, I think um, business owners are they're quite desperate and they're quite worried because, you know, we, we're heading September this week. That's normally when the festive season actually begins in Cape Town. It's that early these days. Um, you know, wine farms need to get busy. They need tourists to come through. Europeans at the end of their holidays. So the fact that we're on many red lists means we're not necessarily going to get that tourism bump, which we are desperate for. Um, and that's why you need, as you say, local tourists moving around the country. And I think there will be some of that. I think people, just like last year, they're going to say this year they've had a hell of a year and they just want to get out, even if they, you know, even if they can't afford it, even if it's on credit, they, they just need to do something. They need to go somewhere. Children have had a very weird time. It's, um, you know, the metric dance is cancelled, all those sorts of things. You're not having um, normal school life. You're not having sport necessarily. You're kind of working from your parents' office. All those factors, I think, um, are going to just push South Africans to want to have some kind of holiday. So I don't know what the government's planning, but I assume they're in pretty big crisis talks around the Department of Tourism because something has to happen. And I think um, the president's going to have to do a family meeting quite soon as we shift into spring. I mean, you know, what is the next step with vaccinations now that... They've been open for a few weeks for pretty much everyone of a working age in the population. Well, that's another, it's an interesting question. Another interesting question is we've been living with the, with the lockdown at, is it level three plus or four? I can't even remember uh, at the moment. Uh, certainly in our community, we're <clears throat> hoping for somewhat of an easing of restrictions. The numbers seem to be coming down. And with the, with the Jewish New Year with Rosh Hashanah coming up, People are wondering, you know, is Uncle Cyril going to be doing something to, to, to relax restrictions? I had to have some close shaves with the police on Saturday night because I was out and then I didn't realize that I'd hit my 10 p.m. Um, my 10 p.m. curfew. Do you think we're seeing, we're going to be seeing changes in, in, in the government's stance on, on gatherings? Well, I was, I was out at a, I suppose it's an open bar on Saturday and Around maybe eight, the cops arrived because they wanted to check if, you know, if we had capacity or not inside the open venues. So then he quickly opened the, the doors and it changed from 50 to 100. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the government maybe is trying to clamp down that you, you can only punish people who are doing their work, you know, so much. It's not as if, you know, this is heavy criminality. These people are trying to run businesses and they're trying to kind of entertain South Africans. So, yeah, it's, it is tough. Um, and I just think something's got to give. But as you say, there could be another wave. So it's a strange balancing act. We need to see what happens. Um, I think everything is ready. Everyone's waiting to see what the government does next in terms of this level three and a half or whatever it is. Cause the curfew has a big effect. Um, you can imagine people 
you know, not everyone finishes work at five. Some people work till like six thirty, even seven. Then they want to go out for dinner. It's already eight, and they're calling last rounds of drinks. You know, and they don't even have time to sit down and have a family dinner. Just think about how many weddings, how many birthdays, how many anniversaries haven't really happened properly because of curfews and the coronavirus. It's quite staggering. Those industries have been hit very hard. Absolutely, and we're going to have to keep watching it. Alistair, thank you so much for joining us and looking forward to chatting to you again soon. Thanks so much, Benji. Have a great week. Stay safe and get home before curfew. <laughs> I definitely do. Alistair, by the way, if people want to see stuff that you're writing on this, where, where can they where can they check you out? So I'm, I'm published in Business Day. I'm published in the Financial Mail, and then I'm also published in Asset Magazine. I'm going to be putting something nice together to say about what um, what's happening in by Gandhi Square. Quite soon, there's new restaurants that have been opening there. Gerald Garner, if you know, who used to do city tours, he's opened a new restaurant downstairs in a bank building. So, yeah, there'll, there'll be things coming out in FM soon and on Asset Magazine. Well, there you go. Do check out those uh, and, and get that information. Alistair Anderson, he is a journalist and an author and uh, chatting us today about the property sector and what has been going on in the inner city.